Hello everyone, it's me Ian Vega, your host, and welcome to another episode of the hottest podcast of film. Look at me, I sound like a hype man on crack. Welcome to Film Universe. Today I'm going to be giving you all a recording of the interview that I've been having with Phil Grice, talking about his documentary that he screened at the Pally Center in New York City. Um, the movie is called Harlem School 1970. For those who were born in the 70s or went to school in the 70s or know anybody who was from the 70s, or if you're just someone who just capping upon the podcast and you don't know what the hell the 70s were like, then why are you here? But anyway, no. Here's the interview with me and Phil Grice. We did this on Monday, literally the day of, because we scheduled it. But nonetheless... Here's the interview, and before I give out this interview, follow me on Twitter at Ian Vega Pictures, Instagram, same ad name, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out my website. Be sure to check out other old episodes of Film Universe available on SoundCloud. And if you want to rock that Ian Vega merchandise, get that Ian Vega merch. Then go to Redbubble and you can check out all the hottest things that Ian Vega Pictures has to offer. We got iPhone cases. We got tote bags. We got shirts. Overrated, I know. But we got all that literally match it with all the Warriors. Anyway, here's the interview. And when it ends, that's an indication of like, okay, the podcast is over. You can fuck off. But nonetheless, here's the interview with me and... Phil Grice. So, describe to me, like, what was your experience when you were first filming um, Harlem School in 1970? Well, uh, a brief history. When I first decided to film Mm -hmm. uh, the documentary Harlem School, I had experienced two and a half years of teaching in Harlem. I knew that uh, there was um, tremendous material here for a documentary. I wanted to convey the um, exhaustion that uh, we all went through as teachers and the energy expended. And um, I particularly wanted to really capture uh, a day in the life of a school that uh, had so many diverse elements. Um, The children, they all had colloquial language. They had rhymes and songs. I wanted to see if I could capture that as well. So um, I did go to my principal, Ralph mm-hmm. Edwards. Yeah. This was in um, early 1970, maybe January, February, and I got permission to film without any restrictions. Mm-hmm. And I was able to go to um, classroom after classroom, go to the lunchroom, which I did, play yard and just basically observe and film as I went along what was like what inspired you to like make it like what told you that you wanted to make this documentary was there like a reason I you know as a camera person as a cinematographer as someone who loved documentaries um, you know when something is really interesting Mm mm-hmm to be able to capture on film. And I felt this would make for a very interesting uh, storytelling, um, visual and audio film. And that's 
basically my motivation. Yeah. It would be um, kind of unique to show a day in the life of a of an elementary school, and that's that was the approach. It was very it, like when first seeing the film at the Palace Center, right? Um, and I think one person pointed out it was kind of surprising that a lot of the kids did not like wave or make direct eye contact with the camera and keep focusing on it. They right. focused more on like their teacher, which was right. surprising. And since a lot of kids are wondering like what is why is this person holding a camera, or maybe they didn't know what it was, but they're still curious. So it's like it was pretty amazing how they didn't even bother to like look at it, which is funny. Well, a lot of people have asked me that, and I mm -hmm. think the um, ability to be able to make uh, people not threatened, the ability to be um, kind of transparent as a, a DP, a camera person, um, is part of the requirements to make good filmmaking uh, documentaries, especially if you're doing direct cinema, because you know you really want to just capture um, real life, yeah. and you don't want to control what's in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. You are basically very patient and you're waiting for things to happen. Yeah. You have already, as I was, um, aware of what goes on in teaching. Um, I could almost predict certain things. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a language all by itself in terms of just what structurally occurred in a school. And mm -hmm. I did not go into this film venture without any background as a yeah. teacher. So that helped. Mm -hmm. it, it's also like... As like you said, it was like about timing, really. So like, because you want to get like the perfect shots or like moments, really. Like there was one moment where a student was kicked by a teacher, right. and that was like a perfect moment to like capture that, really. Because like, you could have went and recorded on any other day, but if you missed that one shot, like it was lucky. I to did get mention that, that yeah. in terms of uh, our uh, discussion at Paley. Um, <laughs> I feel like sometimes you can misrepresent. Mm -hmm someone or something yeah because i am selecting a particular time and day to go in and be a fly on the wall as a dp and mm -hmm. shoot certain material that might not have ever occurred before and might never occur again but it happened <laughs> exactly when i was doing it yeah. and that was the only footage i had of that particular woman in that class mm -hmm. that teacher and she ends up looking like, you know, a real tough teacher. Yeah. And it might not really be the case in reality. Mm -hmm. It was just like a different time than how it is now because with, like, if any, like, currently, if any teacher would have hit a student, it would have been all over the news or that anything. That would have been like, front page yeah, Front news, page, yeah. Uh, where if I went to CBS with that footage. Yeah. And I said, look at this teacher at CS30 and look what she's doing. That would have been on the news. It would have, yeah. And then uh, she would have been, uh, she would have been fired. Yeah, not only that, but the school would also be quite. And the school would be questions. also having to explain things. Yeah. Speaking of the school, like, do you, like, what are your thoughts about like, because the school is currently still there? Currently, forty eighth year. Yeah. It's called P.S. Public School Thirty now. Yeah. When the film was made in nineteen seventy, it was Community School Thirty. Mm -hmm. And. Um, they just started their 48th year this past September. Yeah. Do you think it was like like the process of like trying to show that school currently like what it was like in the 70s because you want to show like a, br a brief of history of what it was back then? Do you think it's Well, like I, I didn't think of it being something that would be historic at the time. I, I didn't feel like I want to shoot a film 
put it away for 50 years and bring it back to the public and show what was and what is. It's like if you wanted to film, if I wanted to film this particular day in any school, mm-hmm. it would be because I have a reason for showing a film or, or capturing a real-life situation today, mm-hmm. not really thinking about putting it in a time capsule. Yeah, I did it because at that time, it seemed interesting. Mm-hmm. Now it takes on an added dimension. Mm-hmm. Now it takes on added value. Now it takes on added historic significance because it turns out to be the only film that I've been able to research uh, that shows a day in the life of any elementary school in the United States yeah. in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. I mean, that's mind-boggling to me. <laughs> yeah. If you said to someone else, well, that was an interesting film, Harlem School 1970, that Phil Grice did. Yeah. Let me see something else. Let me see something else even in the 70s or 80s where someone has a film very similar. You know, you're not going to find it. Yeah. Now, is that strange? Yeah, to me, it's, it's very strange. Yeah, I, it's I can't believe that uh, for whatever reason, no one else had the similar interest in being able to... Um, depict that environment that was a very very uh interesting environment Mm -hmm. it's very um like when watching the film right like it was all black and white right all black and white plus x yeah tri x negative film yeah 16 millimeter but it was like so well done and there was like the opening scene where we have the speech there was one particular uh, shot that I was very curious about, which it was like from far away, but it looked like you were like on top of something. And it, I don't know why, but in my mind, I'm thinking, did he just climb like the night poles like that usually light up in the streets? And I'm like, I know the shot you're referring yeah. to. It's a long shot of the school, and you actually see part of the mural on the wall mm-hmm. all the way in the background. Yeah. And it's when. Um, Adam Clayton Powell is speaking at the beginning, mm-hmm. the dedication of the school. And there were times where um, I did go across the street, different vantage places. Yeah. Once I went across the street where you see uh, the kids playing in the yard, and I tilt down from the Third uh, Avenue Bridge, mm-hmm. and you see the um, uh, FDR. And I, I was not... You know, this is pre-drones. Yeah. I was not in a helicopter. I actually went on top of a roof really? across the street, at the highest vantage point, to get these massive wide shots, which I love to do. I love extreme close-ups, and I like wide. And then, you know, it gives you a sense of environment where you are. And also the atmosphere, in a way. And when you saw that shot, it gave you more of a feel of where you were. Mm-hmm. It had a lot of depth, too, because in a way you can feel how big. Or it's the city. It's, yeah. It's Harlem uh, beyond just, you know, a fence and a bunch of young people sitting in chairs and, and the speaker, Adam Clayton Powell. Yeah. Um, so, like, when you were making this film, how did the teachers feel about it at the time? I asked one of the, one of the teachers that I did find Mm -hmm. in my search only one i've only found one teacher out of all the teachers that i had names i only found one teacher Mm -hmm. and i asked the question to her i said do you remember me shooting 
<laughs> and she already saw the film. I sent her a link to the film. Yeah. Do you remember shooting your class? Mm-hmm. And she said, I don't even remember you. Wow. But she remembered the film. No. Oh. She didn't remember me being in the classroom. She didn't remember filming her. Isn't that amazing? That's 48 years ago. So we tend to forget. But I would have thought maybe, but maybe not, you know, because mm-hmm. um, I had been doing some other film work at the school here and there. I was media coordinator. Yeah. And I, uh, uh, I think that per- personally someone would have remembered me, but she didn't. That's unbelievable. Do you think it was like... Um if she were to watch it now, she would remember it in a way? Well, she did watch it now. Yeah. And um, certainly she's seeing herself. She's reflecting. You need power. Yeah, keep going, keep going. You know, and um, the, um, the opportunity to see the film is something I wanted to uh, have her um, view. Yeah. And I'm going to get a chair. Yeah. And I, um, I did ask her that question with regard to whether she did remember me, and she said no, she did not remember me at all. Mm-hmm. In I, fact, the piano player at the end in the music class, that was yeah. her husband. Oh, yeah. And I never knew that. Wow. Do you think, like, for the students that were in the film when they got to see in the Pali Center, which was, like, three or four? There were three students... There was a, a fourth that never came. Yeah. I'm curious what happened to um, Iris Maxwell because she was the very first student I made contact with. No. And that was really exciting. And she said she would come right away. Yeah. She uh, lives in Syracuse, mm-hmm. which is four hours by car. Oh. And I don't know what happened. I, I'm gonna, like... I tried to call her again Sunday morning mm-hmm. or Saturday night. When I came home, I yeah. said, look, if you can make it Sunday because... My wife Jane and I, we went Sunday. Mm-hmm. We actually went back yesterday. Yeah. And we saw another viewing. And uh, I was already uh, able to, uh, I think, uh, be of uh, some additional informational service to uh, those who came uh, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I wasn't introduced. It was a whole different atmosphere. Yeah. You know, not that many p- people came on Sunday. But those who did watch the film, and we were able to have a Q&A at the end. Yeah. It was like um, for the students who were part of it, it was kind of way, in a way like a flashback of the past for them. And in a way, when you watch a video or a movie where you were in, where you were a kid, it gives you a flashback of how life was back then, but how also life is now. And you do like a comparison of both of them, really. So it's like a huge difference of how school was in the 70s and currently. But um, it's... Because you were in the film, like, for some small scenes, right? I included myself, Mm -hmm. um, and I cheated in a way because (laughs) the scenes where I appear, with with one exception, one one scene at the end of the film where I'm in my office and I sit down, and there's a poster behind me saying, Film Your Way to Hollywood, 
It was almost like a premonition. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was kind of, I saw that poster, like, because it was right there, and it was like, film your life. I'm like, he put, he that was put there for a reason. No, I didn't put it there just for the shot. Really? I, I had that the whole year there oh. in my office, because I knew that would be my last year. Oh, wow. You know, teaching. It was my third year, and I knew that we were going to be moving to L.A., and I was going to start my cinematography career, which mm -hmm. has been going on for 47 years. And I knew that that would uh, be my last year as a teacher. So I always had that up. It was like a little inspirational reminder. But that happens to be behind me, you know, in the film when I sit down. Yeah. And then there was another scene that I took from the year before where I'm, I'm walking past a, a number of desks. Mm -hmm. And one of the students from the past who came to Paley Center to watch the film this past weekend She's in that scene as well, as a little girl. That's crazy. Yeah. And she's the one who brought her daughter. <laughs> wow. That's even to more... To watch the film. That yeah. was really great. To show her... <clears throat> to show her daughter, like, what she was like when she was little. Yeah. It's kind of full circle in a way to show, like... Uh, like for our, for a our parent to show their kids a video or a picture of what how they were when they were their age. So it's like very... She told me that she was 37 years old when she had her only daughter, mm -hmm. who's now 22. So she's going, she's 20, she's 59 years old. Wow. Uh, my former student. Mm -hmm. And um, she um, brought her daughter to the screening, and I thought that was marvelous. Yeah. Another uh, young man flew in from Florida, yeah, uh, Glenn Ellis, with uh, his wife who's also an educator, mm -hmm. and then a third, Josephine Coulter, came with her husband. And those were the three former students. Two were from the fourth grade, and, two were, um, and one was from the third grade, and one who didn't make it was also from the third grade. I thought it was really amazing to know that one of the students flew all the way from Florida to see this. And it was, to me, that's like really big, really, because if you have someone who's like, very far, um, like all the way in the south of like America, to come to uh, this screening, it actually says a lot of how much that meant to that person. Well, it was a compliment to me as well. I really felt thrilled. I didn't expect Glenn Ellis and his wife to come to the screening from Florida. Yeah. Um, and to put icing on the top of the cake, I was able to give him six original letters written by his mother at the time in 1970. Yeah. And it turns out to be uh, the only uh, written letters that he has of his mother. He has no letters from his mother, and these were notes sent to the teacher explaining why Glenn would not be attending class, and usually it was some <laughs> lame reason about being sick or going to a clinic. And uh, it turns out that, uh, you know, Glenn had a teacher that I replaced yeah. who was very violent with the, the children and, and struck them and uh, was probably you know, an alcoholic and uh, oh. used to take these kids in a closet and whip them. Was it that teacher that got fired? Yeah, that was it the teacher was, yeah, that got fired. And I replaced this teacher, and that's how I got to meet Glenn. That's, that, um, that story that you shared about that teacher, I'm like, this had to be one notorious person to like, deal with. Like, the slightest thing you do even near her. It just starts fucking destroying all the furniture in the class. Well, you, you talk about the teacher in the film who kicks the, the child and then yeah. grabs the child by the arm. Mm -hmm. You know, that was like tame. 
compared to what Miss Johnson would be doing to her students. What, like, what example can you give that? Well, I, she I heard. I can't prove this, but I heard at the time, uh, based on her firing, that she was at times um, giving money to some of her students during class to go outside and bring in booze. Seriously? Wow. Was that one of, like, because in the film there was, um, I think it was the principal who was talking about, like, on the mic, that there was two students who left the... You gotta remember, Miss Johnson was uh, the year before. Oh, okay. And that was at the old school, PS24, where I taught. That's mm. where I had Glenn Ellis as a student. Yeah. So, you know, there's some license here we're taking because, ironically, the one student that I had in the past, Iris Maxwell, who I also had in the fourth grade, mm -hmm. she, of all the four students, was the only one to attend CS30. Wow. All those other students I had the year before. Or two years before. Yeah. They knew the environment. They could identify with the um, type of education that they were getting at the time. But physically, they did not enter uh, CS30. And the one person who didn't show up was the one who did. I would have liked Iris to have uh, attended. I, I still have to contact her. Is the, are they going to do, like, another screening, or is it just, like, that's it? They did three total screenings, uh, two on Saturday, one on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's full part of Black History Month at the Paley Center for Media. They finish up with Lester Holt from NBC, Nightly News. He's yeah. coming in a couple of days. And um, it's a wonderful uh, treat to the public because it's uh, free to the public, no admission. And... Um, in a way, it was good for me because I cannot enter Harlem School in 1970 for any public admission or I'd be disqualified from uh, film festivals. So it could be exhibited. It was exhibited at Paley, no admission. But if they charged the fee, which they do 11 months out of the year, mm -hmm. I could not have had the film shown there. That's wow. So it worked out. It's kind of disappointing about, like, because it honestly deserves to be on various film festivals, especially now with some film festivals that are, like, looking for, like, vintage films or films that were never released. And with all this, like, how film is changing, you know, you want to see, like, some films that were from the past but never been released, and they show a different side or a different world, in a way, of, like, what life was like in the past. So it's very disappointing, though, that... The film couldn't be uh, put to film festivals. Like, are you still trying to put them out too? Well, I originally um, applied to 13 film festivals, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm waiting on 12 still to yeah. determine whether they've been accepted. Mm -hmm. um, what advice can you give to like any uh, filmmaker who are working on documentaries, or like any film really? Well, I think it's the same advice I could give to anyone working on anything in life. Mm -hmm. And that is to really find your passion. Yeah. To really get up in the morning, jump out of bed, get in the shower, get a good breakfast, and want to get to work. If you have that, that's a gift from God. That is so special. And if you can sustain that for uh, most of your life, um, you are very fortunate. Yeah. Oh, I mean, really, it was... Um I thought it was like a really good film. Um, my final question to you, right, is since this film has been like 
in a way, put on the shelf for many years. It was like 40 years? 47. What? And it was put for so many years, but like, what was, like, what made you reconsider putting, like, publishing the film or like uh, screening the film out for after so many years? It was like four decades? I made the film Harlem School, 1970, in the spring of 1970. Mm -hmm. um, I had originally wanted to show the finished film to the school. Yeah. I didn't finish it in time. I didn't finish editing it in time. I finished and completed the film in August of 1970. My wife Jane and I, who had been married less than a year, we were going to be moving to Los Angeles. I was going to start my professional career as a cinematographer. Mm -hmm. I showed it to my family on a weekend before we left, and some friends. When I went out to L.A., my former teacher, Haskell Wexler, who was an Academy Award-winning cinematographer, who I had when I was a student at yeah. UCLA, he invited me over his home, and he watched the whole film. Yeah. I also showed the film to uh, the UCLA faculty, uh -huh. thinking, could I use this as my thesis film? Because I had taken all my course credit at UCLA for a graduate degree, but I didn't have a thesis film. They said, yes, that it would be something you can do, but you would have to reapply, pay a fee, get back into um, the uh, university, and re-edit the film. I always remember them saying, you have to re-edit the film. I was in a rush to get into work, yeah. and I decided, no, I don't want to do this. And then... I put that film away literally during seven different moves that my wife and I have made over the years, different locations. We've lived in Wisconsin and Los Angeles, New York, different places, but I always kept the film. The film was locked away, and then 47 years later, last year, I just, you know, there's a time and a place. I decided now's the time. And I got a hold of my very dear friend, Ben Wolf, who helped with the restoration. I went to Duart. I took my 16-millimeter composite answer print. I had two of them. I took the best one. I had it transferred digitally, high-res, HD. We then put it all on the computer, and we did some uh, restoration with sound and picture, put some titles in, changed some things here and there, and um, then submitted it into um, film festivals. Uh, I copyrighted the film. Yeah. And um, then I approached uh, Ron Simon at the Paley Center, who's a f really close friend over 20-plus years, and he submitted it to uh, the people there, and they accepted uh, it as a slot for uh, Black History Month, and the rest is history, and it's been shown. That's great. Um is there a way that people can see the film? Like, well, if it gets into some of these film festivals, that would be a way. I have three film festivals in New York. Um, my goal is to see how it does on its own in 2018. Mm -hmm. And then after it runs its course in the film circuit circles, um, I would then seek out some distributor, possibly. And then eventually, everybody I want to have an opportunity to see it. Yeah. So then I would not be with any reticence about, you know, having copies available for people. And they could even probably contact me at that time, and we could make some kind of arrangement to have, you know, a duplicate made, uh, you know, and then 
they could have a copy of for their own. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, anybody who wants to contact me who's really interested in this film, for free, I'd be more than happy to send them a link mm-hmm. of the trailer. It's a four-minute trailer. Have you seen the trailer? I don't think so, no. All right. I went back to Harlem School, um, PS30, June 23rd, 2017. I did a stand-up in front of the school, and I explained my um, uh, kind of historical background as to how I made the film, why I made the film, the genesis of the film. Mm-hmm. Is there any way people can contact you? Yes. Get in touch with me at my email, and that's www.philgrice.com. That's my website. Or you can email me at www.archival, A-R-C-H-I-V-A-L, TV, audio, A-U-D-I-O, at verizon.net. All right. Well, thank you, Phil, for ha- uh, having pleasure. you on my, my podcast. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome.